Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I've been sensing the same thing Tess has been sensing, even though we haven't spoken. There's um, there's an interesting thing that I feel like the Holy Spirit, um, he, he loves to tell us what is on his heart in advance, but it's always in an enigma, in a mystery. It always is in a mystery. Listen to my words tonight. That the next level of maturity for us as a tribe is to realize that that his pursuit of us is leading us into our pursuit of people. God loves people more than anything. And one of the attributes that happens when you feel fully known and you feel fully loved and you have finally stopped that internal struggle with yourself is that you love greatly. You love completely unselfishly. See, the indicator that we need more healing is that we love conditionally. Yeah. It's beginning to make sense already, isn't it? I've been having this feeling, and I, I couldn't really identify it. I've been having it for a while. I'm sure it's been more than two weeks, but I just love to use that terminology. And, I th- and just during when I stepped out here, and um, I don't even remember what Shudi said, but it's, it, he began to show me this picture. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about it tonight, but I feel like it's kind of going to be an ongoing Wednesday night discussion. I like to take, I have this weird thing where Wednesday nights are just different than Sundays. You know, Sundays are this deep, come on, let's just dive deep. And Wednesday nights, I'm just whacking y'all, just whacking, whacking. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, team. Come on. Come on. Come on. Teamwork makes a dream work. Come on. <laughs> I mentioned this book, and of course, we have our new books tonight. If anybody wants to, to get it in advance, it's $10. I'm sure Trace can help us with that, even though she's not out here. But I'll get somebody to. Anyway, but I, I also mentioned, and I, I made a little PowerPoint of the book itself, cover. Y'all want to poke that up there. Um, but the name of the book is Boundaries for Your Soul, and I mentioned it the other day. And I really wasn't planning on doing much with it, but I, I just kept feeling the Holy Spirit really breathing on it. And the, the funny thing is I can't even remember where I found this book. Although I know, obviously, right there, if you can read that, you know, the Townsend Cloud guys are the boundary safe people book guys, you know, they're really amazing. And so one of the things that I feel like is is really probably just on my heart so much is is how important it is that we distinguish 
that we really are made in His image in these three parts. That has been something your generation has been educated in. My generation wasn't. I can remember the first time I even heard about boundaries. I was probably in my 30s. And I, I, I couldn't quite get it. How many have had any struggle with the boundary subject? Everybody else is good? Okay, well, super. No one but just a few dummies. So, but it was kind of a hard concept for me. And, but there was just one day that came along where it just all made sense to me. And I like that. I like that moment. You know, there's tension when it doesn't make sense. Only within us. I don't know if you know this, but it all makes sense to God. So he's a downloader of information to you in a timely fashion for moments of your destiny that you need it. He's never late. He's never tardy. He was never sleeping. He didn't really even care what kind of pre-education that you got. It doesn't matter to him. All of his revelation supersedes any pre-education we got from another person. So see, God's revelation has the power to trump our training. And so that's why it's important that you are, you stay in a revelatory house. You know, one of the one of the things that I can promise you is that as long as I'm alive, and I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, I just talk about it because I'm not afraid of dying. I know some of you are nervous when I talk about it, but but in my lifetime, I will always get new revelation. Y'all need to just have that same mindset. And see, what happens with new revelation is it makes you feel like what you knew before was really stupid and antiquated. That's a good thing. Have you been there yet? Where you did something for years and you thought you were, man, cutting edge on the new drops all the time. And then you realize you were just an idiot the whole time. Isn't that the best feeling in the world? I personally love that feeling. I think back about stuff that I knew. I mean, I can, I can have distinguishing moments in my life where I was thinking, man, I got it going on. I know stuff. And now I'm like, I knew nothing. It's cool, isn't it? And see, that's... God loves for us to be in that place where we're so enamored with all that He has that we don't really care to feel stupid about what I knew yesterday. All of y'all don't feel this way. It's why I'm saying this right now. And you're going to have to move toward that I don't know everything. And I hope that God knows more that will make me feel like I knew less than I thought I did, and it, he, it just pulls me into the more. Are you okay with that? So I have, I have started this little book, and, and uh, she tells a bunch of stories, and I, I wanted to talk tonight specifically about two principles in this book. But before I do, 
I, I have I've been saving this little four little PowerPoint for quite some time, and it, and I'm calling it. They're calling it communication hacks. And I wanted to. The reason why I want to start with this is because you've got to know who you are and and how you communicate and hear things in order to be willing to change things. Listen, I don't know if you understand this, but it's weird, but God created these four personality types. Agreed? Do you all agree that you have one of them? And you're never going to change that. Some of you are like, great. Some of you are like, dang. The goal isn't to change that. The goal isn't to make all introverts extroverts. If any introvert introvert knows me very well, they know I, I love that they're an introvert. I will never want them to be an extrovert. Mendel knows this well. But see, you have to love it. You know, there's probably not an introvert in this room. I don't know. Maybe Cheryl is going to laugh like Breezy. Unless, you know, the Holy Spirit whacks you. So you don't have to restrain your joy so you don't look like that. If you don't want to look like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? Hello? See, we don't want to judge what someone else is that they can't change. The goal of our personalities is to know them and let the Holy Spirit refine them with other people's help. And the second goal is, is to know what I'm in relationship with. See, the goal of being in a relationship, I know this is really hard for some of y'all, especially if you're married. The goal of being in a relationship is not for you to get all your needs met. It's for you to give. And in the giving, see, you you have to, this is really hard for people, I know, because I've been there. But in the giving, there can be no expectation of receiving. This is next level maturity, I'm just telling you, because there are a few people that can do this. Most people are giving with, in the back of their head saying, one day, I'll get a payback. It may be just one, it may just be this tall. But see, there can be none of that. Or you're, you're, you're not authentic. You're actually a manipulator and you don't know it. And so the reason why that we do this manipulation, the reason why that we are so worried that we are going to be overextended, overgiving, someone's going to take advantage of us, we're going to be enablers, and they're going to be doing all this stuff, and, and we're just going to be letting them, and then we're going to... The reason why that we feel this way is because we're hurt. So we're protecting from something that happened that has nothing to do with probably anybody in here. And the, the greatest cesspool of this is marriage. Marriage allows all of this to go on. And when no one in the marriage repairs anything, it's just poop after year after year after year. It just becomes a big Petri dish of infectious behavior. And see, that's not God's intention for marriage or relationships at all. Agreed? 
you can agree with that at least, right? And so the re, the only way to get healthy. Let's just let's just use. Let me just give you an example. So I, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to watch this show. I was telling a couple people about it on the way to church, and they got grossed out. So I'm going to simplify it. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to watch this show because He was wanting me to see how justice worked. Now I'm not going to tell you the name of the show because you know y'all judge me. But in this show, someone who is responsible to do something, educated to do something, given approval and authentication to do something, actually harmed people. But in the show, there are people who got justice. I love that kind of story. Do you love that kind of story? Because, see, that's the promise that if I'm a child of God, no matter what, no matter if crazy people happen, and no matter if hurt happens, He's enough to heal it. Have you been healed of something that you thought you wouldn't be healed of? Anybody? Emotionally? Do you remember how bad it was when you're laying on your bed crying? Does anybody remember that day? Woohoo! Remember? Remember? Do you remember when you just wish someone would call and just that someone knew the pain that you were feeling and you were woohoo and hoping? Do you remember that day? Anybody? Did you know every human does that? I know you thought you were the only one to experience that much pain. Right now, some people in the room are shocked. I've woohooed on the bed. Everyone's woohooed on the bed. It's the common denominator that unites us as human beings. Right? What is the issue, though, is do we get stuck woohooing on the bed? You see, some of us, our emotions are still laying on the bed, woohooing, waiting for someone to call. So what God does, he sends people by Home Depot just to see if you are still got anything there, just to see. Yep, that happened recently. So in these communication hacks, there's, these are the four personalities, and so you'll know what you're working with. So if you find yourself here, I'd love for y'all to think like this. This is not all just for me. This is for who's going to be coming in the door that needs some help. I know sometimes y'all just want to suck all the information for yourself, get all the healing for you, but really it's for other people, okay? Get a little for yourself and get something for somebody else. It's a, mor- it's a smorgasbord. So the first slide says this, take time to identify who you are speaking to and what they need from you in communication. I tell you, Pam and I are really good at this because we deal with a lot of, a lot of people in our job. Like just for t- instance, today, we're working on this job and we've been on it since May. And this guy calls and says, this person, this subcontractor is here. I need you to get over here right away. We had no idea that that subcontractor was coming. We're not coming over today. We're not coming. And so, you know, just because somebody is communicating with you poorly, we're not the bad guys because we didn't drop all the things we were doing. We're booked up. We're booked solid. You got to get in. You got to make an appointment, right? But see, people with no boundaries... 
I mean, that's literally what he said. You need to get over here. I'm like, trust me, there's no need in me that would make me go over there. See, we have to understand. I'm going to talk about boundaries a lot tonight. So anyway, when you learn to speak the language they speak, it's amazing how much better they hear what you have to say. Agree? So here's our four little things. You ready? Number one. Look at that slide. When communicating with a person who is ambitious, decisive, independent, and goal-oriented. Who do you think that is? Look, everybody knew right away that's a cleric. How many clerics do I have in the room? Let me make sure all of y'all raise your hand. Shooty, don't even act like you don't know. Get your hand in there really high. Shooty's always like, oh, I, well, I don't know. Me and Tessa, are, we're on the fence. Okay, so we're talking to you right here, all right? Now, see, the goal of hearing this is for you to know this is what you do. So even if I'm coming to communicate you, with you and I don't do all these things, know this is what you are, all right? But this is written towards me communicating with you, okay? So it means somebody's coming to you and they want to communicate with you and they realize you're choleric, okay? So here's what we're learning. Ready? We got the don't column. Don't be too general. Don't ramble. Don't repeat yourself. Don't make generalizations. Don't talk about things not relevant to the topic. <laughs> got it? All clerics, right? Do you agree? Look at Lynn. Her hand is high, high in the air. This is true for me. This, I agree with that. Do you agree with that? See, look, all, this, all the clerics are acting like they're shamed. This is you. If you raise your hand, this is you. When someone's talking to you, you this is how you think. I know you don't want to admit it. It is. Okay, here's the do's. There's some do's. Yeah. Do be clear, concise, and to the point. Do stay focused. Do highlight benefits. Do be well prepared with accurate info. I think this is so helpful. Does anybody think this is helpful? So don't be coming up to me acting like I'm not choleric. Right? This is what I need if you're going to talk to me. Don't try to make me not be me by changing your communication style, hoping I'm going to be something else. All you clerics who don't like this about you, just change that right now. Say, this is actually how everyone is experiencing me. So that means if I'm giving... Another cleric way too... Lynn and I are good at this with each other. I'm like, I say it to Pam too, brevity. I just need brevity. I don't need the whole story. Pam is a little more of a storyteller than Lenny. So if Pam wants to tell me the story, because she's going to be on this list, and she's a little bit more of a storyteller. I'm like, no, Pammy, right now I don't have that many words in my head. So brevity. But sometimes I let her tell me the whole story. Okay? See? So now you know who you're talking to, right? Now, Lenny, she doesn't need any all that. Her and I, we basically bark at each other a couple times and we're good. <laughs> okay, we're done. All right? Okay, so remember who's usually married to a cleric is a phlegmatic. <laughs> we'll get to them in a minute. Okay, number two. Let's see if we know who this person is. When communicating with a person who is enthusiastic, demonstrative, magnetic, and friendly. Who's that? Sanguine. Who's the sanguine? Look at all the sanguines. 
Look at all the cleric sanguines. Now see, cleric sanguines are double extrovert. That's where Pam and I differ. Pam's more sanguine, I'm more melon, so we differ. So there, so I'm way more detail-oriented. I have this much melon, she has this much sanguine, but we have that cleric side. So whenever we're together, this is why she wants to tell a big story. She likes to tell, like today we're sending a text to a customer, and she likes to tell them all the reasons, all this. I'm like, no, two lines, that's it, bam, send it to them, boom, we're done. And she likes that. She likes it when I'm like, no, we don't need all that. It's too much information, right? Okay, don't interrupt. They hate that. Pam hates that. Pam hates it when I interrupt her, especially if she's telling a big story, right? Don't do all the talking, because why? They want to talk. You came to them to hear them talk. I don't know if you know this. If you haven't planned extra time, then don't go talk to a sanguine, because everything's a story. And everything has a lot of selling points, a lot of background, a lot of woe is me, a lot. That's just part of the package, you know. There's going to be a little pity involved. There's going to be a party that you don't want to go to. Right? Because, see, they're people-oriented, so people hurt them. People aren't good to them. People don't have them in, on their minds. Right? So they're a little bit... Right? On their emotions. Don't tell them what to do. <laughs> now, this is really hard. You know, just like tonight, I'm going to pick on Shooty. So I went to the bathroom, and Shooty's phone and her water bottle are laying over there on the counter. Well, I know she don't even know where they are. She has no idea. Uh, did you see me get them? I thought you saw me get them. So I got home, and I said, hey. I said, I found these out with the stamps. Well, see, there's a thing at our house that... No matter when Lynn buys stamps at our house, they're just gone all the time. I mean, they just, and we're always like, who, if you get the stamps, just tell us. We'll get more stamps, but no one tells us. And so I said, I found this phone and this water bottle with the stamps because I know she knows what that means. So then it's a funny story, right? Because her stuff could be anywhere. All sanguines leave their stuff random places. They never put it in the same place, Right. And so they're always looking for it, except for Colleen when she did, puts on lotion. So don't be curt or abrupt because you'll hurt their feelings because they're people-oriented. They just came to entertain you. They just have come. Everything about them is to see how long they can keep you captivated with some random story that has nothing to do with anything on the planet. So sanguines are usually married to... Wait till we get to them. Don't flood the convo with lots of information, details, or data. Remember, they didn't come to hear any problem solving. They just came to tell you a story about their day. And they have 40 billion words. And they have 40, everything's a story. Everything they see is a story. Every piece of lens is a story. Everything's a story. And if the, sometimes they have photo backup. <laughs> and video backup, and they want to send that over, and they want you to comment, and they want to know you watched it all. They'll be waiting by their phone. They'll be offended if they sent it to you and you didn't put a love on there. <laughs> this is their form of communication. Again, if you don't have lots of time, this might not be the person that you want to go to, right? 
unless you got lots of time because there's going to be a story. Now, if you're a sanguine, everybody would want to hear all those stories. Do you hear me? It's too much. It's too much. I'm just telling y'all, it's too much. Just cut it in half. Just keep cutting it in half and then a quarter. Give somebody an eighth and see if they, if they like it. And then maybe if they want another little piece of turkey, give them another little eighth. Don't give them the whole turkey because they can't chew it. They can't hear it. They can't remember it. You're talking for yourself. Sanguines, welcome. You can learn this, I promise. And trust me, you don't need to, your feelings don't need to be hurt because you don't get to tell all your stories. Tell God. Can I tell you that I have never met a sanguine that wasn't an intercessor? Why? God's open 24 7. He never sleeps or slumbers just for this reason. And you're usually married to an introvert who wants to sleep and slumber. And your stories make them want to sleep and slumber more. Brevity, 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 brevity. I'm helping you right now. There is not a sanguine alive that this isn't true about. It's too much. I'm, don't be offended at me. It's too, you're too much. Your stories are too much. Right? Brevity. Say it out loud, sanguine. Brevity. Do you know what brevity means? Cut it into an eight. Right? Act like you got a whole cookie and you just cut a little sliver and you just slide it out there and see how they do. If they don't eat the whole thing, you're like, it's too much. I'm not going to give them the rest of my eight. And just take that to God and say, God, I've got 40 billion words. Nobody wants to hear it. And he might give you something to pray about that would actually make you feel better. Talking is not going to help you feel better. I know you think it will. Okay, you good? Still, you, know, you still like me? All right. Even more now? There's a lot of lefferties in the room right now. Do create a warm and friendly environment. Do put things in writing. Do give opportunity for expressing their ideas, feelings, and thoughts. Now, this is another place, you know, you're going to have to have boundaries, you introverts. Okay? Trust me, introverts. A sanguine isn't going to be offended or remember that you didn't hear all their stories. So if you say, hey, I got to go, just got to go. Hey, I got to get an important phone call. Just do that when you're fit full. Because it's worse for you to let them keep talking and not listen. That's worse. All right? So just establish within yourself, if I'm talking to a sanguine, they're going to talk more than I can talk. All introverts, are you hearing me? And so you just say up front to yourself, I'm going to get an important phone call about when I get start getting full. Do you, do you, I know all introverts know when they start getting full. I've talked to another. They're just like... And then all of a sudden they're trying to push down another piece of turkey and they can't get anything else in there, okay? So just go, just up front know what you got time for. And, and for a sanguine, it would be good for you to say, I have 10 minutes. I have one story. How long is the story? I have that much time. I have that much ability to retain this story, right? It's worse, I'm telling you, not doing them or you a favor to just let it go on and on and on because you think you're going to hurt their feelings. Is that true or not? Yeah. Y'all agree? Yes. Great. I feel like this is going well, don't you? 
All right, number three. When communicating with a person who is steady, relaxed, patient, predictable, modest. Who do you think that is? Phlegmatic. All right. Don't. You ready? Is it up there? Yes. Don't be pushy. Don't be demanding. Don't be overly aggressive. Don't be too confrontational. And don't be domineering. How many phlegmatics do we have? See, this isn't, this is not, this will never work with him. This will never work with him. Why are y'all doing it? Why are you extroverts doing it? Just ask yourself that question. Just ask yourself, what's the goal for you? What are you doing that for? Because it's never going to work. In fact, it makes phlegmatics do this crazy weird thing, I've noticed, where they all of a sudden, there just becomes a big thing in the ground. You can't move it anymore. They're just tuned out, checked out, right? It causes a stubborn thing to rise up within them. And all of a sudden, they're slow players. Can't get them motivated to do nothing. So they're reacting to your pushiness. Listen, a phlegmatic is never going to be a cleric. That's why God put them with a cleric. A phlegmatic is never going to be a tasker like a cleric is. They're the complete opposite. They want to nap and cuddle, watch movies, do nothing. (laughs) Go drink coffee that isn't any good just so we can look at the people. (laughs) Nothing a cleric wants to do. Cleric is the biggest mover, shaker. Let's get it done. They're always got a project. Listen, flag manics, the clerics are never not going to have a project. Be thankful that you got somebody thinking about a project and your house or the house would fall down. You put two flag manics in a house together, the fo- a house will literally fall down. I've seen it. I've been to their house. I don't know how they got married, but it was falling down. Okay? Do... Create a personable and agreeable environment. Do, does all clerics, do all the clerics know how to do that? Maybe we need to go to that class. Clearly, I need to teach y'all how to do that. I can do that one day. Cre- remind me. Create a personable and agreeable environment. Express genuine interest in them as a person. Because see what's on a cleric's mind. Get her done. <laughs> When are we going to get it done? Oh my gosh, this place is excruciating. That's what's going on. So that, that doesn't make a phlegmatic feel loved. Just remember, it's not just about your relationships here. This is about people at work. Did you know there's phlegmatics at work? They actually go to jobs. They're not, they're not, I know, it's weird. I know, they're not home napping. I know. Because, see, the motivation for them is they don't want to live under the hovel in a box. So that's their motivator to work. Okay? They're afraid they're going to live in the cardboard box, but they're not. They just don't know it. Be patient in drawing out their ideas and thoughts. Now, this, for a cleric, is going to be excruciating. I'll just say it up front. You're going to feel like that you're dissecting a flea. And that you have to describe all the parts in the flea. 
That's what it's going to feel like. Like it is just so intensely delicate. And you're going to make lots of wrong moves. You're going to be a bull in a china cabinet when you thought you were being a mouse. It's just, it's just a reality when choleric and phlegmatic get together. And they get together all the time. It's so weird. Like they're just so attracted to each other. It's like, man, I like you, man, I like you. And the cleric, the cleric says, man, I got a helper. And the flagman says, I got a napper. You, you see, so this doesn't work together. You see, so, so in relationships, remember what we're doing. We're trying to give to the other person what would make them feel good. It has, if you've got it, I started out by saying this. If you have anything in you that says, well, I'm going to help them do that because they're going to help me paint the bedroom tomorrow. No, no, no. That's not going. That's not going to work. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. Let's go to number four. When communicating with a person who is careful, correct, conservative, and extremely neat. Now, the weird thing about melons is they don't think they're neat. How many are melon? How many think that y'all are so neat? Look at them. They don't even raise their hands. How many know a melon and think, dear Lord Jesus, they are so neat and tidy? Yeah. Jane calling, they're not going to raise their hands on nothing. I'm just telling y'all right now. So, mm-mm. no, there's none of that. No. We would have to put them in blind rooms. We'd have to put a partition between them, get them separated to see their... No, there's nothing. Nothing coming out. Okay. So listen, listen to me. Melons, they, they love to be tidy, but they don't feel like they're tidy. So they're usually married to a sanguine who are anything but tidy. They don't even remember where they leave their stuff. They don't even know they took off all their clothes in the middle of the room because they were so excited to do whatever else was going on in the house that day. Go get a hamburger in the refrigerator. They didn't even know. So, I know people. Know thyself. So, here we go. For a melon. Who's melon? Don't refuse to explain. They hate this. Let me tell you, they hate this. If you, the number one thing for a melon is if you're going to change something, you better have some backup data. Okay? They don't mind change. But you better have some good data because why would we change this? See, I do this to Calandra on the soundboard all the time. I'm always changing everything on the soundboard so because I love to make her have this feeling of change so that she doesn't get so freaked out because she doesn't want me to change anything. Right? Yeah. Melons, right? So don't refuse to explain. Don't answer questions vaguely or casually. They hate this. They hate that. Well, just because. That's just, that's a, that's silly to them. Don't introduce change or something new without expecting a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions coming. Just remember, here it comes in. Sanguines hate questions. They're like, why? Because I wanted to. Because I feel like it. Because it's great. (laughs) They didn't even know that anybody could think of all these questions. They didn't even know that there was a possibility of this much worry they had no idea it existed in another human being so they're always like because i wanted to 
because it was there because it was easy. And then Melon's like, no, I don't even know why we would do that then. So if you're presenting a possibility of something new or change, like you're going to buy something or, I mean, trust me, you've got to have some backup detail, okay? Just don't even come to the table. And this is really good for saying, what's because y'all don't like to do this. Y'all think just your sheer charm will make them want to do it. Because, hey, because, you know, this will be fun. This will be fun. Won't it be fun? Let me sell it to you. Let me give you all the information why it's going to be fun. We can do this. We can do this. And they're going, I know that will never happen. The melon's like, no way will you ever do that. You won't even remember to pick up your socks. So this is, this is, I'm just saying, if you're going to communicate with one, you're welcome. Don't be unorganized with the information you want to share. Now, see, listen, this is possible. I've had, I was raised by a melon mom, and this is possible for an extrovert to actually learn how to communicate to where an introvert feels safe. Trust me, if you keep doing it your way and you don't help your introvert feel safe, then you're not going to have a good relationship. You're really just having a relationship with yourself, right? And listen, God loves people more than anything, so he wants us to learn who we're communicating with and how to communicate with them. We don't want to make everyone just dictate to how we are. I mean, if I, if I talk to a Melon, I tell them, listen, hey, you, you need way too much information. I'm telling them the other side. This, you can't have that much information. I tell Melon, my Melon all the time. Like, man, I can't. I'm too tired to give you that much information. Well, we're going to have to do that tomorrow or next week. Are you going to be okay with what I did give you? You know, and of course, now I've got the gift of I'm a knower. So I just throw that one out every now and then. I'm just a knower. <laughs> But you can't use that one on your melon. No, no, no. No, no. You can't. You've got to have lots of backup data. Lots of years. You can't just throw that out there. No, no, no. That's right. Just work up to that. Good? Okay. Do with the melon. Be patient and allow time to process. Now, time for an extrovert is different for an introvert. I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that? Well, lovely. Look at how smart we are in here. So, did you learn that? So, especially for melons, time, like if you say this is a really good thing to do. So, you know, the reason why I think sanguines and melons get together is because they really see time oppositely. Do you see, do you see why God puts opposite things together? Did y'all do understand that God puts opposite things together on purpose? Why? Yes. It's all, for him, it's all about balance. Right? That's why if someone's, if, if your relationship is all, is, uh, we'll do it that way for one minute, we'll do it that way for another minute, you're not balanced. So both people are to have equal say. This is really hard because that means the melon's got to give and the sanguine's got to give. Or the phlegmatic's got to give, the cleric's got to give. It's always going that way. And now, you know, me, Lynn, and Pammy, we're all cleric. Shooty's just coming into her clericness. She doesn't believe it. But she is. Are you, are you with me? Okay, well, you hardly raised your hand while God thought you were back on that train. Oh, I see. It was an order thing. It was an order thing. She didn't know if we were going what order we were going in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at Sid. She's back there rolling. 
But, you know, we're all choleric first, so we have a lot of choleric communication. Will you get our little introverts around us while we're choleric communicating? And they are scared, quite frankly. We're, we're direct. We're a little bit brassy. We're a little bit quick. We're a little bit sharp. Right? Right? And so I have to go to them sometimes and say, hey, this, I have to tell my melon sometimes, I'm not going to communicate with you this way. I'm just, this is the people I can communicate to this way. And see, she, do you understand? So just know who you're talking to. That's what this is all about. Okay, am I on? Yes. Do support ideas with accurate information. Why is accuracy and factualness so important? <laughs> the melon said, because it's accurate. <laughs> really deep. Because facts are facts, people. A sanguine's a fluffer. And that's not facts. And we sure don't want to buy anything or do anything or make any decisions on a fluff. That would be silly. That would be unwise. So, when you're, when you're, when you're communicating with a melon, you've got to remember that these are the things that make them feel good going forward. And this interesting about introverts in general they have this capacity to slow play in an unbelievable way. But it's because internally you are crazy. <laughs> it's just the facts. The other people just are making them feel crazy. They're making them feel unsafe. They're too much. They're too fast. They're too loud. I'm being funny. But, that's, but it's an internal thing they can't turn off. So if you will address the internal thing with them, then your, their participation changes. Agreed? Now, you can't create every environment for them to be all safe and slow and congenial to their personality, but you can make them feel like, hey, I'm on your side. Hey, I got this. Hey, this is all right. Hey, I'm going to cover this. Hey, I'm going to... They like to have a little protector. They like to have someone that's kind of out in front saying, hey, I got you covered. You know, not for some weird manipulative reason. You can't be like, I'm going to give you a, give me a hug later because I'm protecting you. That's just weird. You're just doing that because you love them, because you want them to feel safe. You're not doing it for some weird motive of your own. Okay? Good? Yes. Oh, what time is it? Okay, we're good. Okay. So moving along, since that's a real foundation for what we're going to be talking about in these next few weeks, in... Side of us are these three parts that I talked about tonight. God is really trying to join up. And see, part of it is you've got to learn to love how he made you. Yeah. See, I love every personality. Do, do, does everything they do make me happy? No. Do I get nervous or anxious around some people that maybe are mad at me? Sure. We all have interactions with people that aren't making us feel great, but we have interactions with people that makes us feel great. And so we want to build on not only our relationships outwardly, but we also want to keep repairing what happened inwardly. And I hope tonight, I just have a few little slides for us that we can talk about. But let me start out with this couple of statements that I like from this book. She said this. <clears throat> she said, internal conflict is growth trying to happen. So what we're going to be discovering about this book is that She's wanting us to look at the things that are hard to look at within ourselves. 
Like why we're scared. Why we get nervous. You know, I make Mendel look at why she's nervous all the time. Well, why are you nervous? Well, what are you feeling? Well, what, when did it come in? When did it start? When was it this? When was it that? When, because why? Because she has a lot of history of a lot of cholerics and a lot of Jezzy spirits doing a lot of things to her. And so I'm trying to create a new environment for her to walk out on. It's kind of like, a pl- it's kind of like me laying out, um, what are those planks called? A pier, like a pier. I want her to come further out into the ocean with me. Because I'm going to swim out in the deep. We already know that, right? Now, I like people to go with me. So I like to discover what it is they're afraid of. And I like to lay out new foundations for them to walk on so they'll keep walking. Right? And I want y'all to do the same thing. Not for only each other, but for other people. Just think about if we did that for other people. Think about if we had that culture of honor where we stayed true to what we are at our core values. We had boundaries and we also had this ability to bring healing to people and understanding to them. So I love this little part that I'm going to talk about tonight. It's about our soul and about boundaries. And so let's read a couple of things. She said, caring for your soul with its many thoughts, feelings involves understanding more about it. And we would agree that we all could have a little help in understanding ourselves a little bit better. Have you had this feeling? Well, let's keep going. (laughs) The soul includes all the non-physical dimensions of a person. Okay? And remember how God, God wants us to love our soul. Our mind, will, and emotions, right? And that's the thing that messes us up the most. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. So if my emotions get messed up, depending on what personality is, it changes my will. Okay, so if I would deal with that emotional part, do you see that it would change my will? And do you actually see that would make me change my mind about a situation, about people? Right? Agreed? So can you see how this kind of could actually evolve into something cool, right? So you're just looking at something. We're just going to look at it from a different angle, okay? We're going to have a little quiz that you can take, you know, anytime at home. I'm going to put it on Evernote. So it's really cool to look at what triggers you and what goes on. So the soul includes all the non-physical dimensions of a person. We're just laying a foundation. The soul can be significantly reprogrammed. And I mainly, I think it's, like I said, it starts with this emotional part. Hemi would agree. Yeah. It, it can, we've worked on our minds. We've worked on all these different parts. But let's, let's talk about our emotions a little bit. Let's understand why we're even feeling what we're feeling, right? So a soul can be significantly reprogrammed. And this is a major part of what goes on in the spiritual reformation of a person. Yeah. So you need reprogramming. Yes. You've gotten some, right? Yes. Isn't it cool? Yeah. Isn't it great to know it doesn't end? Yeah. Oh, y'all don't like that. You want it to end. No, I want it to go on. Because That's what revelation is. Do you understand that? That if I get something new, I want to attain it. So if he makes a new promise to me, I want to be able to get it. If he gives a new inheritance to me, I want to spend it. So if I'm sick in here... 
I'm telling you, this is a huge part of even physical healing. So, But anyway, I'm not talking about that right now. When you care for your soul, you are reprogramming it or reforming it. The contours of your internal life. That's what's being changed. Think about what's uh, like a hill or a mountain that's contoured. You know, isn't it cool? I mean, we went to Colorado. You know, there's the Continental Divide. And there's a tunnel that goes right through the mountain. I love that. I, when we were driving through it, I said, have you ever thought about all this crashing in and it would just crash on our car and we would just die in here? They didn't like that story. But <laughs> that's what I was talking about. Because I just think this, just all that pressure on that little hole in the mountain, right? How in the world does this all happen? That's how I feel about our soul. There's all these tunnels that go through you. And sometimes we're so afraid of everything crashing in, we don't live. But it's just supposed to be roadways to more stuff. You go through the Continental Divide and you go down a big mountain and there's a beautiful veil. It's a beautiful thing. Um, you are reshaping and redefining your thoughts and feelings and inevitably your actions. That's the order. Okay. So here's our emotions that connect with our thoughts and our feelings, right? That's all part of the soul work, right? Once I get that all changed, I change my actions easily. See, if I have a hard time changing my actions or maintaining something that I decided I was going to do, you know how we're like, okay, it's a new day. Okay, are you ready? Come on, team, let's do it, right? This team. And all of a sudden, part of the team's laying down again. (laughs) And like a fool. Right? All offended again. All hurt, right? That's why it's because there's not been enough healing. There's just been sort of an acknowledgement. Yeah. You understand the difference? I can first say, whoa, look at that problem. That's different than actually fixing the problem. Are we, agreed? It says, you are taking responsibility for creating and maintaining stronger internal boundaries. That's where it all works. There's got to be something going on internally, boundary-wise, right? So let me jump ahead a little bit since we're just a little bit short of time because I had so much fun with that communication thing. Um, She talks about there are two opposite unhealthy ways of relating to your painful emotions. I think this is so good. You can keep them too close, or you can push them too far away. If they're too close, you risk being overwhelmed by them. How many notice sometimes you get overwhelmed by your emotions? Anybody? Okay, those are too close. And if they're too far away, you risk being cut off from them, only to be influenced by them in harmful ways. Got it? Okay, so I got some little slides. This is what she said. When you're too close to painful emotions, you might have thoughts like this. Other people always let me down. Anybody ever had that thought? Come on. Other people always let me. Right there she tells you what that is. You you are and have learned in your soul to be a victim. So your dialogue in your mind is connected to what you learned in your soul, in your emotional soul. And so then when people do stuff, you say, they let me down. Your expectation of them was unrealistic. So you're the victim 
of people that didn't come through for you. Do you see that? I'm just telling you, this is really good if you can identify with these, okay? The next one, when you're too close to painful emotions, you may have these thoughts. I'll keep giving and suffering for everyone else's sake. Anybody had that one? There you are. You're a martyr, right? No one works as hard as me. What's weird about people who have this, and I've done this personally myself, is we set ourselves up. I remember one time I worked at this church and I did everything. I mean, like I did everything. You know, I was there early, hours early, did everything. And then I can't remember exactly what happened, but they told me to leave. And so, <laughs> you know, all I could remember was everything I'd ever done. And I recruited my dad. And he was like, well, why would they have you leave? Because you did this. Because, you know, I'd been home telling him all the stuff I'd been doing. You did that. I mean, he remembered everything because he was a martyr too. So we martyred together. We had the martyr club. That's what we do. Martyrs recruit people. I'm a champion of the world. I remember when I met somebody and they said, well, why do you think they asked you? Asked you? Well, I didn't want to look at that. I was, you know, a late teens. I didn't want to look at that. But when I realized that me and my dad joined up, it started making me think, oh, I had an ally. Oh, oh, I had an ally. Oh. I started seeing what we were allied about. We were martyrs feel sorry for me I've done so much I just I didn't eat my donut I gave it away it's just all kinds of ways it comes up are you does it is anyone identify with this come on so weird isn't it in the house of God number three if you're t- go to the next one if you're too close again it's, here's what you say. It's always going to be this way. I'll never be happy. Now, I haven't had a lot of this one. But some of y'all have this bad. You got the hopeless bug bad. You do. I hear your stories. I'm like, stop. Listen, in, really, in the kingdom, we have so much. So these are signs. All these are are signposts that says, in my emotions, I have a hidden injury in there. And and so I allow my mind to think thoughts like this because I'm hoping for hopelessness. Can you see it? So so again, we're going to talk about this more. I'm just laying the groundwork. But so those... Painful emotions are too close. You haven't, they haven't got healed. They're right up snug up against you. That's, that's the three things, victimization, martyrdom, and hopelessness, when your emotions are too, your unhealed emotions are too close. No wonder we put up walls. We got all that going on internally, right? Are you following me? All right. The next three are about when you are too far from painful emotions. We're good at this too, aren't we? You say things like, she made me angry, she's a problem. Her, 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 her. I know you clerics do this a lot. 
her, her, it's somebody over there, right? Because our pain, we, the, those painful emotions, we've pushed them so far away, we don't even realize that we're doing it. Yeah. We really think that other person is the problem. Come on, I know some of you are doing Isn't that weird when we think, we literally think the other person is a problem. We cannot even see us. Okay, the next one is, it's too painful to talk about. I'll just change the subject. Avoiding. There it is. Those emotions are so far down the road, we just act like they don't exist anymore. Remember, they're going to come out another way. That's the, that's the cool thing about this little container. It's not very big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't you wish you could just like, cut it out sometimes? And just cut that thing out. It just pops out in no way. You're just whack a and everything. <laughs> right? Yeah. What if you would just deal with the one painful thing? Yeah. See, that's the cool thing about healing. It's not five billion things. Yeah. It's the disappointment or the hurt or when someone did you wrong song. It's everybody has it. See, if you could understand, if you would do the work of this healing, you could see it in everybody else. Why can't I see it in all of y'all? Because I've done all of this work. So then when you're saying something with your little lips, I'm like, oh, you're avoiding. Oh, you're blaming again. Right? Last one on this little thing. When they're too far, what hopes and dreams? Dreaming hurts too much. My life is fine the way it is. There's denying. So we've got denying, avoiding, blaming. I just feel like this is a really clear picture to me. So the things are either too snugged up to me or I, they're just pushed all away. And so any way you want to slice it, they affect your relationships. And so what's happening, just wetting your whistle, heel, heel, heel. But what's happening is that you're not authentic in your relationship because of these things. And so the people you're in relationship with recognize it. They can see it in you more than you can see it in yourself, especially the older you get. That's why it says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. The older you get, the more you've dealt with, I mean, you've lived with this, the more you've made workarounds. I've talked about that a lot. You've just done all kinds of little workarounds to get away from dealing with these things. Yeah. And they're in your soul. Yeah. You can't get away from them. Yeah. And so then your actions and your interactions with other people reflect whichever one of these is most dominant. Are you with me? Yes. Agreed? Yes. My last little thing, she says this. If you're experiencing victimization, martyrdom, and hopelessness, which were the first three, right? You might be too close to those painful emotions and stuck in a rut of old habits and beliefs. Can you see that you are? Let me ask you. Can you see... Anybody see some places just by reading these? Okay. It says, this way robs you of joy and confidence. It's the answer why you don't have joy. It's the answer why you don't have confidence. You've got all those hurtful things way stuck up here on you. Really close to you. So anybody comes by, oh, they'll probably get one. They'll probably touch it. Just someone talking to you, they touch one all the time. You start feeling rejected. You start comparing. You start having jealousy. 
That's that means those emotions are way up snug against you. Make sense? On the other hand, if you tend towards blaming, avoiding, denying, you're trying to keep your painful feelings so far away. You're disowning important gifts of that, of the parts that you experience of these feelings having to offer. So those feelings are trying to offer you some information. Agreed? See, we're so scared of our feelings. But see, the, the feelings that we actually show other people are the, the layered down feelings of the original feeling. Do you understand that? Is this good? It says, what's more, denied emotions don't actually ever go away. It's good, right? Instead, they reappear in even more harmful ways. She says it here. It's like playing a game of whack-a-mole at the fair. You hit one pesky emotion down with a mallet only to have another one pop up again when you least expect it. Had that happen? I love this. She said, to lead emotions effectively. Don't you love that line? So we are in charge of leading our own emotions. How many have at least come to the knowledge that you don't have to let all your emotions just run you all over creation? Wasn't that ugly and hard? Remember when they, you'd just wake up and you'd just be sadder than a junkyard dog and nothing happened? Right? Or you'd just be madder than ever when you went to Dairy Queen and they made you pay for your food? Right? To lead emotions effectively, you can focus on them. I love this line. You can befriend them. Can't you just hear the Father's heart on that? Nothing in you do you need to be hating on. Act like it's just hurt. Like it's just a hurt puppy. If I brought my puppy, yeah, see? If I brought my puppy, you'd be like, oh, well, just do that with that emotion. Oh, what's wrong? Well, let's just fix that. Right? Yeah. Just put some tape on it. Get a Band-Aid. Right? Get some healing. I love it. She says, befriend them and invite Jesus to be near and then unburden them. This is kind of a little, she has a little five-step process we're going to talk about. And then integrate them with other parts of your soul. She says, we call this process the Y-O-U turn. You, he's wanting to turn you. You get to manage these emotions. You don't have to let them run amok. Yeah. See, that's what we do is we let things run amok and we call it the stacker. Right. Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. Call it the stacker. Yes. Right? Yeah. When really it's just a whole bunch of unmanaged emotions. Yeah. A whole bunch of emotions that led us around that we didn't lead them around. Right. You know, I mentioned this on Sunday. I don't know if you remember. But this is part of what God's really doing right now in this next level maturity. He's really allowing us to see some things in different angles. I love how God, you know, he shines a light on different ways for what reason? To cause us to come close, to embrace what's in us that's not of him. No pain, no hurt is of him. Only promises and joy and inheritance are Him. So any place I'm under the influence and my actions are following that negativity, my soul is under some other influence. And we either have convinced ourselves people don't care, people don't like me, you know, nobody can help me, or this is too mumbo-jumbo stuff, it's just too much work. You know, we've got all this dialogue when it's really simple. 
It is really simple. I love helping people because it's so simple. Just look at what you're doing. Look how it's affecting your relationships. See if there's any, anything in there you want to change. Are you happy? Is it happening the way you want it to happen? Well, you don't need to do anything. If you're not happy and it's not happening the way you want it to happen, you need to change something. You. It's that simple. And then that leads us to the abundant life. Okay? Okay, so we're going to be talking about this. And in Evernote, I'm putting a little thing called the Internal Boundaries Quiz. And it's just 10 little questions. And I'd love for you all to participate. You could just you can just copy it and put it someplace else where you can write on it or you can just write your answers down. And I would love for you to go over it with your mentors. I even will put the answers in there so that you'll already know the answers if you want to cheat and not really take the test so you don't look stupid. But anyway, that you can really be honest with what's going on with you. Remember, you cannot be healed of what you won't admit, right? So any place that you can be honest with yourself and honest with your mentor, it'll just lead to more healing. Anyway, I'll put that in there in the next couple of days. I am so excited about what's to come. Every Wednesday night, aren't we a very blessed house with all that we cover? Well, I just wanted to, um, I think, remind us of some things that the Holy Spirit's been teaching us and telling us as we go into this topic of kind of discovering what's in our soul that may be out of order, out of balance, or need to be replaced by a promise. And I was thinking back to, I think it was back in June, I shared a word where the Holy Spirit was highlighting the power of our will. And he was saying that it was being unveiled to me that the will of man, of humanity, was actually the most powerful force on the planet underneath God himself. Because all authority and power has been given to us. So it's what we choose, which we choose with our will. We choose with our will to what we do with that power is what makes, which has the most authority on earth and makes, yeah. makes changes. And so that applies to society, but it also applies to us personally. And I've experienced a tremendous amount of freedom that came rather easily compared to the ways I've tried to get freedom in the past, um, in this past year by exercising my will and just remembering that I have the, ch the power of choice to say what stays in my soul and what goes. You know, we, we, I used to think you had to wrestle around with it. I, my feelings had to line up and agree and like these 10 different factors and the sun and the moon and all the stars had to align perfectly before anything could change in my soul. Isn't that what we kind of tend to think? And then I suddenly discovered that that's just not true. All I have to do is choose. I don't have to agree with my feelings. Don't have to agree. Nothing has to line up perfectly with it. I just get to choose because what have we been talking about recently? He says, yes, we already have his yes. He's not saying no to anything. He, we already have his yes. And then we say amen in response. And that's all he needs for his glory to flow. He's already said yes. He's just waiting on us to say amen to something, to say, let it be so, to say, that's right. 
And so this theme of tonight, just want to take us back to how we started out with worship, with his story that he knows us. He knows our name and he has written an entire story for us. He's written out who we are on our hearts, those letters in our hearts. He, all of that that's written in us already by him is his yes. He has, we have his yes on all of that already. So all we have to do is say, I agree with that. I, yes, amen to that. That's right. That's choosing with our will. So I just want to encourage everybody that when in this process of discovering things in our soul, all we have to do when we recognize that something isn't the way it ought to be, something isn't healthy for us, is choose. I simply say, I choose with my will for that thing to be released from my soul. And that's all I have to say. I just have to identify it. I don't have to know a million different things about it. I just say, I choose for that to be gone because the power of my choice is simply that powerful. To choose with my will. My will is simply that powerful. And so I have said things like that. I have declared that. And it's been miraculous the number of things where the 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 ways that's kind of those things are sometimes stitched inside of us and you try to yank them out and they hurt and they cause all kinds of complications. But with, with this process, it's simple. It just leaves. It just leaves. And I'm telling you, it really, really works. And so what I, the second step to that is to ask Jesus to take that thing that you've chosen to, re, to remove from your soul and replace it. Now, I don't always know what the opposite of the, of the thing is. I don't always have that understanding. I know the opposite of fear is love. So if I'm afraid of something and I don't want that in me anymore, then I say I choose with my will to, to release and loosen this fear from my soul. And I say, Jesus, replace it in that exact spot with the love you have for me that would counter that fear. And I say, just replace it with sevenfold of what the enemy has stolen from that place. And I picture it as an actual spot, you know, an actual location. Like there's a place in my heart, in my soul, where this this um, inauthentic, this wrong thing has been embedded. And I say, well, if I take it out, there's a there's an opening right there for Jesus, for you to fill it with the new thing. And so very simple. I choose with my will for this thing to be removed from my soul. Jesus, come and take it from me and replace it with the love you have for me. Replace it with the promise. Replace it with whatever you know fits in that spot. It's his yes. We already have his yes. We say amen to it by choosing with our will. So we will, we will, we will grow until next level maturity by leaps and bounds just by utilizing this process over the next several weeks as we talk about our soul and boundaries with our soul. We'll learn the boundaries and we just agree with him. Right? So Papa, we just want to say thank you for making us so powerful. We are not weaklings. We are not victims to life's injuries and the the things that have caused us harm or disappointments or fear. We are not victims to the things that have been taught to us. Just like Tisa said, your revelation is always going to be more powerful than our previous teaching. It will always be more powerful than our previous teaching. So I thank you, Papa, that you gave us, Jesus, you gave us the keys. And so we have the authority 
to say what stays inside of us and what goes. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, to just empower this message, empower this teaching, make it come alive in the hearts and minds of each and every person. Make this just go off like a resounding, like an echo just throughout our days and our, our nights that we ne- don't forget. It's just constantly ever present before us. And so as we encounter things, we say, hey, I can choose with my will right now. I give my amen to your yes, Papa, right in this moment. So Holy Spirit, we just give a big amen to you right now to what you have already said yes to, to doing in us in this season. We give your, our amen. We say that is right. And we say, let it be so. And so you have our yes in advance for what you're going to do with us and through us in this season. So we thank you and we look forward to with excitement all that's going to come. We get our anticipation and our expectation up really, really, really high, really, really, really high for how much we can grow and change in this season. We just say, Holy Spirit, we know you told us to think about the things we've already experienced with you and to set that as the foundation for our hope, that our hope will only be magnified from there. So all the change that we've already personally experienced, all the ways we've already matured and and grown with you, we just set that as as the bottom line foundation in all of our hopes for how we will change. All of our expectations will be a magnification of what we've already experienced, a multiplication of what we've already experienced. So we give you praise and thanks in advance for all that you're doing. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for caring so much about the story you've already written in our hearts, that you are passionate about seeing us be hopeful about it. You are passionate about it being lived out and coming to fruition in this lifetime. So we just say thank you, thank you, thank Thank you, Papa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you. We love you. We give you all the honor and praise and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.